Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this theater. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next 90 seconds. Good evening, my friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the Video Nasty Project. When we talk about censorship on the show, we usually mean it in the context of blue-haired ladies getting upset at movies, fines being levied against rental shop owners, and tapes being seized and destroyed. However, in the case of tonight's movie, The Cannibal Man, this movie was made in 1972 under the regime of Generalissimo Francisco Franco. In this case, censorship meant actual secret police seeking out subversive elements, and prosecution for movies meant being sent to a concentration camp, or even worse, being taken out back and someone puts a bullet in your head. In short, of everything on the banned and censored list, this one is the real deal. Let's check out the trailer. Don't be hasty. What do you want? Well, please go in there if you want to. If that's what you need to, to ease your mind. What strange foreboding secret is within this room? something. The man died. His picture's in the paper. What lures the innocent into the death room? in here. What? Please excuse me. I want you to suspect that I could... What do you mean? Suspect. man living in today's jungle kills for his freedom. Discover his unique way of disposing of the bodies. A river of blood is created by the cannibal man. Marcos! 
Does this man discover the dark secrets of the cannibal man? The cannibal man soon comes to this theater. And welcome back. We just got done watching The Cannibal Man. Or, and I'm going to butcher this because I wrote it, so I wrote it down, uh, La Semana del Esenio. Basically, the week of the murderer in the original name, the original, the original title. Uh, 1972, uh, done by Eloy de la Iglesia. Dude was an outspoken gay filmmaker in the Franco regime, which is, you gotta admit, a really brave thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, he was also uh, a member of the Spanish Communist Party. Whoa. So he was not a popular dude with the Franco regime. So you want to tell us a little about it? It starts in an abattoir, in an old slaughterhouse, with this character Marcos, who's uh, a day laborer, uh, just a jobber. He goes home, he kind of has this lackadaisical attitude about life. He spends a lot of time sitting around, lying around his place, being bored, basically. There's well, this... he's poor, so yeah, he can't really... He, he lives in a literal literal dump of a barrio. Yeah, Lots he lives in the poverty. Sun. He is extremely poor. He is the lowest of the low when it comes to... And so he ha he's got his, uh, his uh, girlfriend, who he's eventually going to marry as soon as he gets up in the world. Carmen. Carmen. And he and Carmen go out on the town one night, and they catch a ride in a cab back to town late one night. Being Spaniards, being young people in love, they start necking in the back of the cab. The cabbie says, hey, what the hell are you doing? Get the hell out of my damn cab. Yeah, yeah. he thinks they're prostituting and John, you know, kind of playing rough That's, Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. Back of the car. Fair yeah. point. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't seeing a couple out for the night. He saw yeah. prostitution. Mm -hmm. Oh, very smart. So he kicks them out. And then as they take off, they, he says, hey, wait a second, you got $3 on the meter, come back here and give me my goddamn money. Marcus, of course, says, to hell with you, I'm not going to pay for a half a ride. The guy gets out and they start getting a little physical and start getting in a confrontation. Well, specifically, the cab driver, in his being mad at the, it takes, it goes directly after the girl. German. Yeah. yeah. After, after and he literally, Marcus. literally starts slapping her around. He's, and it's because the whole... You, how can you be prostituting yourself? It's not what's being said. Holy shit, I didn't even notice that. And, yeah, then, he, and then he says, I'm going to slap the sense into you. Your father obviously didn't. And, yeah. and starts laying into her after kicking Marcos in the chest. Yeah. And oh, then, no, well, you need him in the balls, I think. Need him in the balls. Yeah. Yeah. Need, need and that, and Marcos this unrattles his teeth, looks up, sees what's going on, picks up a rock, and, well... Hits the guy in the temple. So pretty much well, lays him out, and they say, oh, we got to go, and they split Marcos later looks at the, the newspaper. Next the next morning, he looks at the newspaper. All oh, crap, he's dead. Yeah. Whoops. So later that evening, uh, him and his girlfriend are talking in his house, and there and she's all like, "Well, what happened to the guy?" And it's like, "Oh, I, I killed him." Oh shit, we got to go to the cops. And Marcos is like, "No, absolutely not." And this is one of the themes that the movie has strongly in it, in that it's a very classist movie. There's very much the poors versus the riches. Yes. And he says, the cops won't believe me because I'm poor. And she's being the rich person, says, oh, that's ridiculous. Don't be, stop being so stupid. And he says, all right, all right. And then it kills her. So the very next morning, he show, uh, his brother shows up. and A says, day early. A day early. A day early back from a trip. He says, you know, hey, how's it going? 
uh, Jesus, I just killed my girlfriend. And he says, no, no, man, you got to go to the cops. He, and, and Marcus is like, oh, hell no. Gets a wrench. Bam. Kills his brother. Kills his brother. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. No, we and kills his brother. Drags him into the bedroom, puts him on top of the bed. The next day, the brother's fiance shows up. Hey, have you seen my uh, have you seen my fiance? Because he showed up a day early and he was supposed to meet me and he hasn't shown up. She comes in. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, I got to get something out of his room. No, 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 don't go in there. Don't go in there. Oh, well, maybe I've got a headache. Please go get me some aspirin. She slips in, sees the dead bodies. Ah, oh, Christ. Kill. <laughs> <laughs> and the one thing I noticed that's really interesting is he, the way uh, he laid the women out. They're each missing their left uh, sandal. It's like they're mirror images of each other. One's under the bed, face down. The other one is sitting up against the bed next to his uh, next to his brother. And they're both missing the same type of you know footwear from the yeah. same foot. I don't know what message to read in that, but the thing is about the movie is that there are metaphors and messages and allegory all throughout this oh, yeah. thing. So who the hell knows what he was trying to say with that? Well, and let's and let's not forget there is a a clock sound. There's a ticking sound when uh, when Marcos and Carmen are having sex. There's this very audible uh, clock sound that starts before they do that, where it goes across the room to the bed, then it ramps up when they're having sex, and then when they're done, it kind of dies down. Later, when he's killing her, the clock sound is back again, and when she's dead, the moment she hits the, the ground, it stops. And I'm thinking, so this is the sound of this guy's mind either going off the rails or it's the end of innocence because it stops, you know, his his day-to-day clock-like, you know, very clockwork orange kind of just, you know, mechanical lifestyle is done. His routine. Right. And, and the, the end of the clock noise is the end of that mechanical routine. So the fiancé gets drug into the, the bedroom and pile, thrown onto the pile of, uh, of dead bodies. The next morning, the father of the fiancé shows up and say, Hey, where the hell is my daughter? She had, didn't come home last night. What happened to her? Hey, that's her purse. Is she here? Oh, crap. Kill! <laughs> Marcos has been going to this cafe this whole movie long. And there's this waitress who's been flirting with him and, and, and trying to get him in, into the bed. She shows up, says, Hey, you, don't need, to, you need to dump this, this girl of yours and come be with a woman. And it kind of smells in here. What's going on? And he's like, I didn't take out the garbage out of the bathroom. Please don't go in there. And she's like, oh, I'll go in there. Oh, fuck. All right. Kill. So at that point, we're out of people that he's going to murder. He's got five dead folks in the back room. He, being that he works at the uh, meat uh, meat packing plant, starts chopping up his victims, stuffing him into a bowling or into a gym bag, and then taking him to the, the processing plant, dumping him into the processor, and basically, that's pretty much the movie. It's like Miss 45, to that degree, before there was Miss 45. I think the problem that the movie had was that this movie was hit hard by the Department of Censorship and in the regime. So they mandated something like 60 cuts or something in this movie. And so, like you were saying earlier when we were talking before we were recording, where scenes just disappear, scenes just kind of abruptly end. I think they were hitting a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire ending of the movie with the police. Now there's some di- we don't know exactly where, so there's some disagreement of what was added and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I think the, he he the ending was bolted on mandated by the Department of Censorship. So and he did not like it. Iglesias did not like the the ending. So 
I think this was a not necessarily a fault of the filmmaker. I think it was a product of its time imposing its will upon what he wanted to say. I found a reference, and I don't know if it's talked about anywhere in any in anything that's on the disc, um, but I found references on the internet where the original Spanish dialogue, he actually at one point rationalizes, well, one of the ways I can get rid of the bodies is if I eat them. Maybe that got cut out in those sixty. And it's nowhere in the English translate in in the English dub sub whatever. Um, don't know if it's in the German. Might be. Um, but it's not there. It's not evident at all. Which totally is why everybody goes and watches this film and goes, "There's no cannibalism in the film at all." Again, we're talking in metaphors pretty much the whole movie long. I think maybe a meta good metaphor for the title would be the. Cannibal is the system taking in the meat and chewing, spitting up people, grinding up people and spitting them out. That's it my could, take. Could be. It could be. Uh, however, there is a lot of metaphor, metaphorical references between cannibalism and homosexuality. All right. If you if you actually go, just Google, just put in the word cannibal, homosexual, you will find lots of hits talking about the association between the two in movie making. None of these hits, and I went through quite a number of them because I was like really trying to find something based on something that you're going to bring up here in a moment. I couldn't, nobody talks about this movie. They make references to a lot of other movies, but not this one. Well, shall we bring up my metaphor? Let's in the room? go into your metaphor because it, it's a sound metaphor. I just don't 100% agree with it. All right. So. My take on the movie is not so much that it's a horror movie, but it's a character study of being gay in the Franco regime. Mm. The whole thing is pretty much Marco not coming to grips with his sexuality. So you have Marco who is this, he has basically everyone who gets close to him, close to learning his secret, he goes and kills. Except for the cabbie, which was an accident. But that was the catalyst for the whole thing. Everybody else starts getting close to his secret. He kills. Except for Nestor, the gay guy who lives in the, the, the tower apartment. They Nestor takes him out to his spa. And they go to this um, uh, swimming pool. And he's up on the high high dive. And Nestor's like right behind him. And, and uh, Marcus is like, oh, I don't know about this. And Nestor, poof! shoves him into the pool. That's his metaphorical jump from being straight to diving. I don't want to jump into the pool of gayness, so he jumps into the pool. He's shoved into the pool of gayness. Mm -hmm. And then N uh, Nestor jumps in, they start splashing around, they're doing splishy, splashy stuff and throwing beach balls back and forth and having a gay old time. And then later, they're having a shower together. At the very end, Nestor says... The work that you do in the meatpacking plant is very important to people like me. The work that he's doing in the meatpacking plant is cutting up the straight people who know his secret and disposing of the bodies. So, taken in that light, and taken that the director is a gay dude who is a gay activist, I think there's a very strong case to be made for this being a metaphor for coming out. And all the people he's killed locked in... The room basically is like they're in the closet. Or yeah, he, he was. Or he's in. He was in the closet. Now he's out, uh, closeted. And he doesn't want anybody looking into that closet. To it's see his skeleton. closet of secrets. His house of secrets. Hmm. 
very interesting. All right, your rebuttal, sir? Your metaphor works mostly. Not all of the killings sink in the metaphor. They do. The first one's an accident. Doesn't really set off anything that say, hi, this is a metaphor. The girlfriend's death doesn't sink with the metaphor bit. But from after that, you begin to see, okay, he's hiding the bodies in a room. There's the bit where the door, unrealistically, is opening a foot and a half and then almost closing all the way. And it's just swinging back and forth. Oh, There's and no he gets up and goes over to her and slams the door. slams the door. That falls with your metaphor. I, my only, it's like I was saying, my only complaint with your metaphor view is the first two killings doesn't fit that. After that, I begin to see your point. I think the movie... And the movie has a message to say, but I don't think it does it very well. And I yeah. think that's a victim of that. Yeah. So, yes, I will freely admit that it's not a very well executed movie mm. in what it's trying to say. Yeah. So, we're both right. Yeah. Now, at the end of the film, there's a moment where they go out on the balcony, binoculars. Hey, look, you can see your house. You can see right into the living room. Now, they show this angle that you can see, you can't see the bedroom door per se. You can see the rack with all the tools on it. And then somewhat to the right of that. And trying my best in tracking, none of the murders happen in that field of view. I'd have to really go back and scrutinize it. But I, I, the best, the way I'm, none of them happen there. But the way the dialogue is presented, it, they, he, the, the director, the, the guy who wrote the script, it, it, he, he's alluding that Lester has seen the murders. And Lester, you know, in, your, in that in soliloquy that in at the final act of the film is telling Carlos that, you, you know, I'm with you. You know what you've got to do. Whatever decision you make, I'm with you. I, I'll stand by what you're saying. Is what he was. What he was. What he's saying. And Carlos does. You know. Prior to this, has attempted to kill Lester, but backs down when he realizes he's that moment of sense. He's come back. He's like, wait, what the hell am I doing? No, he's beginning to realize I've made a mistake. That he's gone too far. That he's gone too far. Now, one of the things that supports your metaphor is that Lester, prior to Carlos's shattering his drinking glass and holding the broken edge to Lester's throat, utters the words, you won't get away with it. Right. No, he says, you won't get away with it. Glass is shattered. Is Lester saying, I know you've committed murders and you're not going to get away with it? Or is it he picked up on Carlos's intent? Oh, you're going to try to hurt me now. You won't get away with it. So the bottom line pretty much is that this being kind of a weird art house film, there's plenty of interpretations here. Yes. So I think, well, shall we touch a little bit on the technical aspect of the movie? I think it's a very competently well done 
movie, but it does have its issues. I don't think the script is as strong as it should be to support these kind of wowed their ideas. Yeah. Now, is that a product of the regime inflicting its views on what he's trying to say? Who the hell? The knows? enforced edits. Yeah. Um, I haven't. I didn't get a chance to really look, but I. I. I so I don't know. Did the writer slash director? Did he also edit the film? I don't know. Because that's where my big problem is, is that pacing is bad. But the film had a lot of edits done to it. So that would explain why the pacing is disjointed and go. I found myself going, when is this going to be over? Boring. That's why, to me, the movie is boring. Um, and then the, when we're talking about the, 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 the censorship board forcing a alternate ending on it than what the filmmaker intended. The, the, the Basically, he goes, uh, Marcos is like, I got to go turn myself in, turns himself into the cops, and then sits down at his front step, and we don't know if he gets picked up by the cops, because it, it shows him the next day. So either they're really slow, corrupt cops, or... Yeah, because it's dusk when he goes to the apartment, and it's morning... And here's one of the things in the behind the scenes of the film on the disc. It shows the them making out, and it shows the a sequence of, of cuts. And 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 one of the scenes is all right. That's at the club. You can tell that in a club shower. Da, 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 but then and they're not clothed, and then suddenly they're fully clothed, and you're they're in the apartment. Right. And then they're making out again. And not clothed, but not in the apartment. So it's like a weird montage. Is it a flashback at the end of the movie to yeah. earlier sex? Yeah. I, we don't know. This is a fantasy. So do you have any thoughts? I would have liked to see more of these guys really hashing out the, the dynamic of their relationship a little bit more. Which is probably part of what got cut. For it, obvious reasons. The characters are very paper thin. They're very much what you see is what you get. Yeah. And that's in part of the reason why I have so low an enthusiasm about the film. I don't care about any of the characters. Even though... You meek, mild-mannered bastard, you... Go to the cops! Turn yourself in! I'll yeah. Although I did like, I, I did like the waitress. I liked her as a well, character. Yeah. She was the supporting characters were, were had a little bit more substance to them, but did I feel sorry for any of them? Yeah. Kind of. So it's a character study that doesn't really get give you good characters to study. Yeah, and it's the enforced edits that I think is really what's causing the problem. Everything is now turned into innuendo and he just can't come out and say it's, what he wants to say. The dialogue in these scenes that should have been isn't there. You have two men who have definitely had sex with one another once, if not twice, wouldn't be hopping around the subject the way they do at the end of the film. And he doesn't come right out and say, I'm going to go turn myself in. He just simply says, I know what I've got to do. It's been fine. It's been great. I'm not going to see you anymore, and he leaves. Brief bit, phone dialing, hi, police, blah, blah, blah. And then this is where I think that's the bit that's added, because suddenly it's day, 
again, and he's still sitting in front of his house. So is he res reflective? Is he thinking about it? If you ignore the phone call, that's the problem. We just don't have enough information. I think yeah. the edit, the end point of the movie is a little bit sooner than you think. You think it's a little bit later. We just don't know. Yeah. Fuck you, Franco. You fucked up this movie. So, my friend, does the cannibal man belong on the nasty list? Oh, no. Not by a long shot. It is so mundane and not nasty enough. It's just... It's a joke, basically. It's a joke that writes itself. All right. Nasty list for you? <laughs> by, by no... No. I think what happened is how it wound up on the nasty list was that the uh, Department of uh, Public Prosecution took a look at the movie and said... They saw the lurid title, uh, the lurid cover, because the thing had a VHS, which was just nasty as hell, because that's what sold. It had, they looked at the title and said, Cannibals, oh my god, this must be like Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Apocalypse. And they took a look at the first two minutes of the bit in the, the cows being killed in the slaughterhouse, which is, to be that's fair, pretty gory. That's pretty nasty. I wouldn't but, even call it nasty. Oh, okay. it's just gory. It, it yeah, is gory. what it is. Yeah. And... It happens every day, but it is, in fact, a little disturbing to delicate sensibilities. If you eat a hamburger and you see that, it's like, nah. So I think what happened was they looked at all three of those things, hit the stop button, and said, two minutes in, that's all we need to see. So that's why I yeah. went on the nasty list. So, okay, I'm going to leave you for last. Did you like the movie? It was all right. I, it wasn't great. It wasn't, it was, it was okay. It was mediocre, you know, I mean, there was some good stuff in there. You know, I liked the, the um, relationship between uh, the main characters to a degree, even though it kind of just dragged occasionally. But them in, the, in this guy's house, when they're just sitting there relating to each other, basically, that was what kept me going. The actual killings in there were rather tame, and if you're going for gore, forget about it. All right, let me have it. <laughs> Boring. There's good. Mo there are some moments in the film where yes, all right. There's some character study happening, uh, but the character study, those little points that are poignant. There's not enough there for me to be won over to care about any of the characters. I don't care about any of them. I. On the second viewing, I think I like the movie a little bit better. I'm still not going to go out of meh territory, but I'm, but I think it was stronger. The it's an interesting character study. It's got some important themes that it wants to say, but it doesn't quite get there. It doesn't quite get over the the uh, the line. So meh meh no no. All right, there you go. We ask your cooperation in helping keep our theaters clean. Please deposit all containers and litter in trash receptacles located in the theater. Thank you. All right, that's the Cannibal Man back on the shelf. A little more art house than we usually get into, but uh, hey, it takes all types to make the video nasty list, doesn't it? If you'd like to send us some feedback, please send us an email at the video nasty project, all one word, at gmail.com. And uh, be sure to check back in next week when we get into another Just Franco flick. Oy, oy, oy. Next week's going to be The Devil Hunter. I'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Our top story tonight, 
Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead.